Hey everybody, I'm Rob McMichael, along with Tim Whitaker and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived, and how we can better represent him and his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little bit more about us, let's get into the episode for this week. Welcome to episode number 40, where Tim and I will be finishing a two-part series on the topic of doubt in the Christian's life. If you haven't already, please listen to episode number 39 for the first half to get the full conversation on this topic. With this brief introduction, let's get right into the second half on this discussion on doubt. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. I am your host, Tim, joined here with Rob. Hello, Rob. Hello, Tim. Hello. Good to see you again, my friend. (laughs) Listen, I want to get right back into our conversation from last week. We were talking about um, doubt, and I shared a little bit about my recent uh, bout with that and and what that looked like and how I kind of got through some of that. But uh, if you haven't listened to that episode from, I think, two weeks ago now, I recommend doing that first before you listen on here because we're pretty much doing a direct continuation of that topic. So, uh, Rob, we were talking about doubt um, last uh, last time, and we were really saying how doubt in one way can be, can be really crippling. You know, it can be really crippling, and it can be fueled by a lot of anxiety and a lot of other reasons. We talked a lot about how a lot of different rivers flow into the ocean of doubt. But I think it's important for us to start talking about now how, how doubt can actually really fuel growth um, mm-hmm. and really grow you into a more, I don't use the word like, you know, more solid Christian, but just a more well-rounded Christian in your belief, in your practice, and even in your discipline. So, I mean, where do you want to, where do you start, do you think, for someone who right now is in intense doubt, maybe having a lot of anxiety around it, just, it's it's in their head, just circling, where's a good place to start for turning doubt from crippling into growth? I think one of the, the first places that we can start is to to take an honest look and, and be completely honest. I think God appreciates honesty from humanity. I I think if you look through all of the stories in scriptures when when man had that tinge of I'm gonna try to do a little self preservation here, that's where you really saw the anger of God. But when you saw a human come before God and say, Listen, I I don't understand. I'm not getting this. Can you explain it to me? I'm beseeching you. I'm I'm asking. I'm. I think that's when you really saw the true character of God come out as the one who is abundant in mercy and um, outflowing of love. And that's where you get the God that we see. You know that the, the the big Father God picture. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, that's a great point. I think uh, you're right on the money with that 100%. And you know what's funny about that? That truth is true in your own life. I, You know, when I, whenever I was 
the most honest about the the scary thoughts in my head or whenever I was verbally honest about the doubt in my head was really the beginning of starting to get through those moments in my life. And when I wasn't verbal about those things, when they stayed in my head, that was some of the most crippling (laughs) times of my life. So yeah, I would agree that the, the, the first step is to be honest, not only with yourself, but with God. I think that though a lot of people are scared to tell God I'm doubting you because they're just afraid that God will just be angry with them or say, I can't handle that or somehow I'm not big enough. And, you know, listen, it's funny to say that, 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 that we think that God is too small for our doubt, but we believe that because in our head, it seems so much more logical to think that, you know? Um, so I think that's another big part of this too, is, is really being honest before God and with yourself that, listen, I am doubting, help my unbelief. I want, I don't want to think this way. And starting that way first, I, I think is the first, is the first step in, in, uh, the road to recovery. Right. And, uh, I, I think that like, like we were saying last week, um, or two weeks ago, um, I, I personally have come to view doubt differently since, you know, we talked about this topic you know, a month or so ago, just you and I and Jordan, um, not on the air, but we were just kind of discussing this and got me thinking. And it, it really had me change my views on what I think doubt is and why why doubt can be a good thing. And really that doubt is, an, is a time where we can see the most growth because those are really the times where our life experience is exceeding the faith that we've experienced or that we've learned. And there are times where life gets ahead of, you know, what I'm learning of God and what I'm appreciating of God and not out of the design or plan of God, but he allows that to happen to say, this is what you've learned of me so far. What happens if life goes past that? What, what is going to happen then? And those are times where you have to be honest and say, God, this is beyond my faith boundary, as it were. Help me to understand this. And I think those are times where we need to come together. And I think that's why the local church body is so important. I think that's why having friendships with like-minded Christians is so important, because those are times where you can come to that body of believers and say, Hey, I'm struggling. Where can you point me in the right direction? Can you give me some advice? Can you look at what I'm going through and and kind of help me along here and and build up my faith? Unlike Job who had his friends who were like, "Hey, Job, you're lying to us. You're a dirty scoundrel." <laughs> yeah, I would also like to add that I think and I think we overlook this a lot, but having a good counselor in your life, someone you can go to for, for counsel, whether they're um, a Christian professional or just a mentor that you look up to someone who's older than you and who has been ahead of you in life and has been where you're Mm -hmm. not. I think that can be one of the best ways to navigate some of these waters that can be so dark and, and so murky sometimes. And I can speak from experience starting to see a counselor this past year during this season of doubt and anxiety, you know, and panic. Um, 
was really helpful because I needed a safe place I could go to kind of knowing like, listen, I'm paying this guy not, almost in a way not to judge me and to give me advice um, and to kind of help me, you know, and, and ask me questions to get me thinking um, was a huge help for me to start thinking about things differently and having someone who was older and maybe who has had similar experiences in the past but has gotten through them for me was a huge help because I'm I'm very much a relator. I need to know that that you know what I'm going through, and when I know that I'm not the only one, I feel a thousand times better. But when I feel like I'm the only one, I feel like it's a nightmare scenario. So I would agree, Rob. You know, having good friends, uh, a spouse, or you know, um, someone close to you that you can really confide in, who would hear you and just be a good listener and be there for you, is one of the uh, one of the biggest steps on that road a hundred percent. Now, do you think there's any, any need? So first step is to remind yourself of the truths of God, go back to the scripture, learn the basic truths about God, about us, go back to basics, then be honest with God, tell him what you're struggling with. Do you think there, the third step, um, I'll just kind of throw this out to you. Is there, a need to look at the doubt itself and say, what, what is this doubt? Is there any, um, is this just a smoke screen for something else? Is this, um, is there something deeper? And is this doubt just covering, uh, a deeper issue? Do you think there's a need to, to do that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And here's the thing. I think in our current society, we have created systems and corporate structures and black and white things and very mathematic mathematic equations of if we input A and B, we get C, but humans are not like that. And no matter how often yeah. we try and squeeze humans into mathematical formulas, it's just not that simple. Very often, it's always more gray than it is black and white. And I think the same thing is true for any issue that that gives you an emotional reaction like a, a doubt or an anxiety or something like that, there's almost always something deeper going on than just the initial surface response of, oh, I'm doubting my faith. Um, can it be just your faith? A hundred percent. But I'm a big believer that everything is really connected in the human body and the mind and the soul. So if something in your life is out of sync or is out of proportion and is causing whatever the result would be, doubt, anxiety, you know, whatever it is, um, then yeah, I, I think absolutely you have to really look at the doubt, but this is where I think a counselor comes in because sometimes you can't look on it yeah. at it on your own because you don't even know where to go. Sometimes right. you just, you ask yourself the same, you know, listen, I mean, who, who do you talk to the most? Yourself, right? And <laughs> it's the truth, right? I never really thought yeah. about it like that until someone told me, but yeah. it's completely true. Like you talk to yourself the most, the, the questions yeah. you ask yourself, the the, the thoughts that you ask yourself or tell yourself, that's almost some of, those are the most important questions or thoughts you're ever going to have because they really yeah, help sure. define who you become. So sometimes you're just asking yourself terrible questions and you need someone to help break the cycle of you asking yourself terrible questions that's that are giving you terrible answers. So I think that absolutely there's definitely a time for, um, I would say, in my opinion, a Christian counselor. Uh, to walk you through and ask you questions to kind of break that cycle and also to help you see, hey, maybe something else in your life. It could be 
um, a past uh, traumatic experience. Could be something in your childhood. Could be a wound from one, a wound from one of your parents uh, or or from your father. Who knows? It could have been something you heard one day that just kind of stuck deep in your mind that you never thought about that has been so deep it's now starting to, to sprout. You know, some some negative thought you heard could be anything. But yeah, the short answer is absolutely. I think that this stuff is really connected to other parts of, of our psyche as humans. Yeah, and to bring it back to you know either Job or Asaph in Psalm seventy three, um, th- what they were struggling with was I'm doing all the right things, and everyone around me is getting the benefits, and here I am. In Job's case, um, he had his whole family die, all his cattle die, his land was burned, his servants are dead, and Job was a righteous man. And so there's that disconnect on if I'm doing the right things, why am I not getting the reward? And with Asaph's case, it could have been sheer jealousy where he's he's doing right, but he's a Levite and he has no inheritance in the land. But he's looking at the heathens. He's looking at the people who serve other gods and they have bounty. And he's saying, why? Why is it that the wicked get all of these blessings? Um so there's definitely those finer points that I, I think you're right on that it's very, very helpful, almost borderline required that you get outside opinions, advice, and just an out an outsider's perspective looking in to give you more clarity. Yeah, you know, I think that one of the biggest lies that the enemy will give you in these moments is that you just, and, and hear me out on this, it's going to sound weird, but I think one of the <laughs> biggest lies we, we hear is that, oh, you just need to keep getting more spiritual. Just get more spiritual and, and, and the problems will just go away. And they, they, they don't because it's not just about this quote unquote spiritual thought. There are people who you need to reach out to. There's community that, 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 that should be around you to support you in these things. It takes more than just you trying to close your eyes and pray the right words to heal some of these very deep wounds that are inside of you. It takes more than just that. And I and the reason I say that is because God designed it that way. God designed us to be in community, to have people that we can reach out to, to have resources mm-hmm. around us. The scriptures are big, of course, it's the foundation for that. Prayer is an amazing spiritual discipline. But if you learned how to pray wrong your whole life, where if you just pray the right words, God will hear you, that's a totally skewed version of what prayer actually is. So until you really go through with someone who you see as, you know, a mentor, a pastor, a counselor to reset some of these expectations that you've kind of grown up believing about your faith, you're going to be in this cycle and loop of, I'll pray enough so I feel like I did enough and then I'll feel good and then I'll feel like I didn't do enough next time so I'll go back into anxiety and doubt and I'll rinse and repeat the cycle. (laughs) You know, you really need, you need someone to, or somebody or some people who you can be honest with and say, listen, I need you to walk through uh, walk with me through this. I mean, literally, that, that's what I had to do. I reached out to I think three or four people and said, "Listen, here's where I'm at." And like, I know one friend in particular. I said, "Can we meet once a week? I need to meet with you once a week. We could just be really open, really honest. I could just say whatever I'm going through, and you can say whatever you're going through, and we could just be honest." And that was one of the most healing things I ever did was was ask someone to really meet with me once a week. We would do it over wings you know, and just and eat food and hang out and catch up. And it wasn't always super deep, you know, intense stuff. But just the fact that I knew we, I was, someone was going to make an effort to meet with me and vice versa was part of that process for me. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, kind of moving forward from that, I, I think 
looking at doubt as an opportunity for growth of faith of um, growth as a person and then growth in trust in God is can change the perspective and can then because you have that background of, okay, I know who God is from step one. Step two is um, I was honest. Step three, I got outside insight. And, and so I, I have all of these, um, th- this foreground that can then help me look at the Tao and say, this is an opportunity for growth. What can I learn about God that would help me in this way? What have I learned about God even from these other people? That now I can answer that doubt and say, yeah, you, you were, you had me questioning A, but now I have the response. And I think just looking at it for, with growth in mind can change the perspective. Yeah, there are a couple of things I think that are important. Number one, it's really important that when you're going through seasons of doubt, you don't let the enemy isolate you from other people or from the Sunday morning gathering. That's something I yeah. really had to learn. I had some of the most intense just moments of clarity when I was in Sunday morning service, whether it was worship or just the pastor preaching something that was just so like, you know, pertinent to my situation, I felt like in that moment that that gave me real clarity in those moments to kind of keep going and get through that week. Cause I, even if I felt like I was doubting in that week, I would say, no, I remember on Sunday how I felt and what I saw and what I told myself, I need, I'm using that now to get me through today. So I think that's a very important part is that you need to be plugged in to a local church where you can really go and attend the gathering and just be nourished by it. I think that, I think that the think that's a huge huge, huge part of this process. I think too often we rely on ourselves or, well, we don't need the Sunday morning gathering. And you both, know, Rob, you, you know that I've been guilty of that so often in my own life. But this was a really, for me, a great growing experience of realizing how important that rhythm of the Sunday morning gathering is for my spiritual health. Is it the only thing for my spiritual health? Of course not. It can't be, right? And that's a whole different discussion for a different time. But part of a healthy um the healthy rhythm of a believer, the Sunday morning gathering, I think is essential to that. And I think that's why the Hebrew writer was so big on stressing that forsake, not the gathering of yourselves together. Don't forget, get together, be with each other, be at each other's houses, encourage one another. And I think we, as the Christian culture, I think overlooks some of the main purposes of the local body when it just turns into come, get fed, go home. You're missing out on nine of the 10 purposes of the local church when that's all you're viewing it as. It should be a spot where you have all things together. That doesn't mean, we're not in Old Testament or um, first century Christianity where we're being persecuted beyond belief and we're being thrown out of the Jewish synagogues and our entire livelihood is disrupted. That's not what that means anymore to Americans. But I think it does mean that we should be sharing some of the personal things we're going through. And there will be times where we're going to share finances. We're going to help widows. We're going to take in the orphans. Um, But that's one of, I think, one of the key aspects of a local church. Yes, it's really to bring glory to God and obey him and worship him. But in doing that, we're building up the body. We're building up each other and creating that community. 
Yeah, I, I would totally agree. And I think from there, that will give you a foundation to where you can start uh, maybe addressing some of the doubts that you have on a logical level. So I think that when the time is right and your foundation's laid of you know addressing the doubt, being honest with yourself, outside help, counseling, local church, um, depending on how you work as a person, you can now start addressing the actual doubt that maybe you're going through. So for me personally, I, I just respond well to you know, the logical reason for God or the logical reason for Christ. And for me, no one is better at doing that than, than Ravi Zacharias. So well, I ended up just kind of listening to his podcasts over and over again because he outlines the the very logical, philosophical reasons for why Jesus, why, why he is who he says he is, why it makes the most sense. Uh, so for me, that was a huge step as well. Um, was was taking my doubt when I was ready and saying, you know what, I'm going to start looking for answers to these questions. And I'm going to be open. I'm going to trust that God is bigger than even my version of God being outside the box. And I'm going to trust that he can speak really through anything. Um, but I really want to seek answers in this moment of, yeah, why do I have this doubt of whatever it would be? You know, of was Jesus really the son of God? Did he really, you know, die on a cross? Whatever doubt, whatever thought around that I was thinking of, you know, I would just seek the answer for it. It was very helpful. Right. I, I think that's a huge thing is we, we are made to be seekers. And so we should take that initiative and seek out the answer. Um, yeah, we're not going to get an answer to absolutely everything, but we're going to learn some things along the way of seeking that answer. Well, I think, I think that's the other big part of this too, is that you got to get to a point like, like you, you said this, a, I think it was uh, a little while ago, Rob, you said something to the effect of like Christianity, Christianity never promises that you'll have every answer to every question in life. That's not what it's about. And, you know, I think for a long time, um, I thought it did. I thought that, that God owed me the right answer for every question I could ever think of. And if I didn't get the answer I wanted or that, or if I didn't get an answer at all, somehow that would automatically fuel why I don't believe in God. And I mm-hmm. think you're right on the money. You have to get to a point too where you, where you are okay understanding the mystery of God, that God is a big part uh, or, or God is in big part a mystery and he only reveals to him uh, to us what he chooses to reveal about himself. God is way bigger, way vast, way whatever than we could really ever fathom. We just know what, what he's revealed uh, to us through the persons of Jesus, which is amazing because he's revealed so much, right? So much of his character. But ultimately, you have to get to a point where you have a, a good foundation for the Christian faith for what God has revealed to us, why we believe it, but also understanding that there are just some questions that we're never going to fully have the answer to. Because I heard a, a book, uh, I read this in a book about a Jewish rabbi who pretty much said regarding God, if I understood him, I be him. You know, pretty much saying, right. like, listen, if I understood all of God, I would be God, but I'm not. So yeah. I'm never going to understand fully, you know, who God is. Cause that's just not my job as a human. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's a, the other big, big side of this is you have to get to a point where you're okay, not with necessarily doubt, but with being okay with not understanding the answer to every question you might have. Right. And I mean, that that's life too, as, as humans is we don't have answers to everything. That's why we have a, a scientific community that's constantly asking why and looking at things. And that's that's why we have psychologists. And that that's why all of these fields exist is because there's a constant learning about humanity. 
And we have to, at some point we have to be okay with that. Um, and that, cause that's how we were designed. We weren't designed to be God, as you've stated, we were designed to be, um, have a relationship with him and constant learning from him. I think we get that from the book of Genesis, from the creation account. I think Adam and Eve were created with the purpose, subdue the earth, learn everything you can about it, and I'm going to continue teaching you. Yes. So I, I think that continues on into life today. Well, yeah, I mean, even before the fall, I think God designed it so we would have to uncover more and more about what he gave us. That's And that's how he designed yeah. us, is to enjoy the creation, right? To seek, how does this work? What do we do with it? How do we create new things with the tools that we're given, right? So I think obviously the fall twists that to a degree. Um, and we have like this um, insatiable appetite to, to be as, as godlike as possible. I think that's part of the, mm-hmm. the curse of the fall. But but God, I think even in heaven, we're going to be exploring and understanding and discovering yeah. more and more about who God is and what he's like and the creation that he's given us, um, just mm-hmm. just really in a perfect setting, <laughs> you know, which I think will be great. So, no, I think I think all, right. all this stuff, Rob, is, is right on the money. Um, and I think for people out there who are listening who might be going through, you know, anything from doubt to anxiety, I think it's important for, for them to know that um, – not only is there light on the other end of the tunnel, for sure, but that it's important to know that they're not the only ones who are going through it. I think that there have been yeah. amazing people uh, of the faith who have gone through very intense seasons of uh, of anxiety, of uh, you know, of depression, of um, of doubt. You know, I when I was in the thick of of my moment with that, I remember listening to "Don't Laugh at Me, Rob," but uh, listening to a sermon by Stephen Furtick. And he actually had a great sermon on on anxiety. And he talked about how he got to a point in his own life where he's like, can I keep doing this? Our church is exploding. We're growing like crazy. Can I keep this up? Do I have what it takes? Uh, You know, am I supposed to be doing this? He just got so anxious about it. And honestly, the sermon was great. He tied it back to, I believe, 1 Peter uh, where it says, um, oh, I'm blanking on the verse, but if you if we're humble if we humble ourselves, he is faithful and just, you know. And wait, that, that's not the right verse. I'm thinking of a different verse. No. <laughs> Rob, help me. I'm 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 flailing on the air in front of all my friends and family members. Hold on, I'm gonna get the verse right now. But the verse re- is regarding anxiousness, pretty much. Oh, uh, if we humble ourselves, he will give us um, peace that, that surpasses all understanding. Is that the verse I'm thinking of? Uh, I. Uh... I think so. Wait, Rob, stall for me while I'm looking this up. <laughs> Hold no, on. No, no. I'm I'm gonna let you crush under your 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 lack of knowledge. Uh, oh, it totally is. I listen. I totally agree. Uh, I mean, it's it's probably. I, I think you you were right in in the beginning where you said humble yourselves. Okay, I got it. I think the the next verse is then cast all your anxiety or all your cares on him. Yes, sorry, Rob. Thank you because Guys, because he cares for you. I'm yeah. embarrassed. Oh my goodness. No, yeah, exactly right. That's exactly what it says. So, um, I'm looking up right now. Pretty much one of the verses that he talks about is humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And he talks a lot about, he, t- he tied that back to the importance of 
humbling yourself is the first step. You know, letting go of your pride, letting go of of what of your arrogance, of thinking that you know it all, and submitting yourself to God and being humble before Him, and how that's really the first step to a lot of this. So, you know, I think a big root of a lot of this stuff can be pride, and not necessarily mm-hmm. the, in the way that that we think it might be. You might not think you're a prideful person. But a lot of times there's a certain level of that that is deep down that maybe you don't tell anyone about or that maybe you don't even know yourself that's there that a lot of this can come from. So, Yeah, good. I mean, it, it's a pride. It's a thing of pride to be able to um, admit that you're doubting. Yeah. Because you, you want to be seen as this spiritual, stable, consistent Christian yes. and to say, hey, I've been, I've been doubting God even exists at all. Right. Is is a slap for your pride so well that was something I, I had to learn the hard way to be really honest and transparent i had to really realize that i prided being a consistent person in my 20s and my late in my early 20s my mid 20s my late 20s i had people who we knew who walked away from the faith and i said no i'll be that steady christian that will never walk away you know and uh when it all you know, in a very real sense, but my whole world world literally came crashing down around me for over three months, and I doubted everything, including you know my wonderful marriage. I just had doubts around everything. It was a real wake up call. Like I had a lot of pride that I think I prided myself in being the super stable Christian, but underneath it, that just wasn't the case. You know, so right. Ah, <sighs> well, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope this was helpful for you, this uh, part two of a two-part series on doubt. This stuff is just coming out of really, I think, um, experience for both of us and just what I've been learning over the past couple of months is I've been really in recovery from um, anxiety, fear, panic, and doubt. So uh, if you have any thoughts or comments, you can reach out to us. Rob, what's our email address? podcast at coffee theology and jesus.com thank you you can always leave us a comment on our facebook and we will talk to you guys in the next episode who knows what it will be about i have a thousand thoughts one of them is <laughs> gun control that could be a lot of fun to talk about um who knows right we, we, we got lots of things some theology topics on the burner so i mean and we're open to suggestions if there's someone out there that is struggling or has thoughts on a certain topic let us know we'll uh, we'll cover it sounds great thanks guys have a good one thanks for checking out the coffee theology and jesus podcast you can always drop us a line on facebook or through our email podcast at coffee theology and jesus.com as we love to hear from our listeners until next time drink coffee discuss theology and love jesus but where's the water what's your plan